On this episode of Water Flying, we're discussing capturing the magic of seaplanes in your photos. You are listening to Water Flying, a show dedicated to all things seaplanes. Brought to you by the Seaplane Pilots Association. My name is Steve McCoy. I'm the executive director of the Seaplane Pilots Association, which is the world's largest nonprofit advocacy organization dedicated to the protection and promotion of the water flying community. Climb aboard! We're about to start today's episode. Well, welcome back to another episode of Water Flying. You know, seaplane photos and photos of seaplanes get people's attention especially pilots. And if you look at any collection of AOPA pilot or EAA sport aviation magazines, you'll be amazed at how many cover images and stories feature seaplanes. And that's for good reason, because they're just so darn popular. And of course, we here at the Seaplane Pilots Association publish Water Flying Magazine, the only magazine dedicated to seaplanes. So we are more than aware of the popularity of seaplanes in photos and photos of seaplanes. So today, I'm so happy to be joined by my good friend and editor of Waterflying Magazine, Mr. Mark Twombly, to discuss what makes a good seaplane image, how to take a good seaplane image, and even how to get it featured in Waterflying Magazine the Seaplane Pilots Association annual seaplane calendar in our website and all the other areas where we use photos that are submitted to us by our members and the general public. So, Mark, uh, thank you for joining us today. Let's talk photos. Hey, Steve. How are you this fine day? Oh, we are wonderful. It is a beautiful day. We should be out uh, actually shooting what we're talking about today. We, We have a couple of stories we need photos for right now. We should. It's a beautiful, sunny day here in southwest Florida. Yeah, we we should be on the water. Well, we're going to try to correct that next week if the winds and conditions uh, uh, work with us, because we have a story that we didn't publish in the last issue, I know, because we specifically need photos for it. (laughs) So, uh, and uh, big hats off to you, Mark, because I have to tell you, it's been you and I have worked together on the magazine for about twenty years now, which is is hard to believe. Uh, but uh, the uh, maturity and the way that the magazine, the the look and the feel and the aesthetic, you know, just how incredible the photos have been in Waterflying Magazine. Uh, it's been a, a wonderful progression watching these photos get better and better, uh, which really elevates the magazine. Well, thanks, Steve. But I got to say, unlike uh, the other big aviation publications, water flying is produced. uh, The content is, the vast majority of it is from our members. It's contributed stories and photos. And I'm always amazed and just really proud that uh, people send us good writing and good photos. It's it's not so easy, but members come through all the time with really good stuff, and uh, that makes our job easier, of course. And it's it's why we're here today talking about uh, how 
members can, uh, you know, capture the magic of sea planes and uh, have it published in the magazine and, and elsewhere, website, calendar, and so on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to tell you, uh, I don't know if people realize that. That is a major difference between us and, uh, say, AOPA or EAA, is that, uh, again, most of our stories are are submitted uh, by members and, and by the general public, as are the photos. Uh, and I'm looking at the, uh, you know, the Jan-Feb issue of uh, the 2023 Jan-Feb issue right now with uh, uh, a great uh, photo, again, taken by a, a member uh, who's a regular contributor. So I, I think this is a, a great topic to discuss today because we already have a lot of members taking spectacular photos. Yes, we do. Uh, and that cover picture that you're referring to, if people uh, look at their print magazine or digital uh, issue online, that photo was submitted uh, uh, as uh, an entry on our annual calendar, uh, Christopher Duffel. And um, he had submitted other photos, so one of which we chose for the calendar. Uh, this one I looked at and I said, that is just gorgeous. It's a perfect little beach uh, in uh, Washington State. And uh, so we wanted to use it on the cover, and we did. And it's just an example of, first of all, the quality we get, and second, um, how we can use good member photos. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about this. There's a lot of different things that go into uh a good photo of a seaplane, uh, things that we look for, but also there's, there's many things, um, to consider. And I think one of them is the aesthetic that, that really comes out for you and I is what's the aesthetic of the shot. Um, and you want to kind of elaborate that on that a little bit? Sure. Uh, you know, when you talk about taking a, a photo, whether it's, you know, with a, a camera, a single lens reflex camera, a, a mobile phone, whatever, you've got the aesthetic. Uh, what what goes into the photo? What's it showing? You have the technical, how it's done, uh, the things you need to consider, and then a few other things to think about. Uh, on the aesthetic, there's a number of settings that uh, make for a good seaplane photo. Uh, you have a static shot, and this typically, uh, this is most of the photos we get that are submitted by members for obvious reasons. Someone has a seaplane, they're proud of it, they it's at the dock and it's a beautiful sunrise or sunset or fog or whatever, and it's, it's just a, you know, just a wonderful scene they're looking at and they take a photo and send it to us. There's the we'll call it water to water shot. So there's the static, then there's the rest are motion shots. One of which would be an air seaplane in action on the water photo taken from a dock, a beach, another airplane, maybe a boat. There's uh, an air to air shot, uh, a photo taken from one airplane to an uh, of another in flight. And then there's a, a photos that are taken from the cabin of the airplane. Maybe uh, the pilot shoots while flying or a passenger in the front seat or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. So those are kind of the different uh, settings that uh, 
come into play when you're taking a seaplane photo. And each one's different uh, in terms of, you know, uh, how you frame the shot, uh, the lighting, uh, some technical issues like shutter speed and so on. We, we use all of those, all of those different types of settings for a variety of reasons. Uh, it could be to illustrate a specific topic. For instance, uh, if we have a story on uh, rough water operations, taking off, landing in rough water, we want to illustrate that. So we want a picture of uh, obviously rough water. Not easy to come by. Yeah, I know um, that when we, you know, whether it's using photos that we need for a particular story in the magazine or even doing safety seminars or our advocacy, uh, a lot of times we're looking for a very specific photo. And uh, rough water was one that you and I identified that uh, we just don't get a lot of photos of seaplanes operating in rough water, maybe because there's fewer of them operating in rough water and or, uh, you know, we just, we're just not getting those kind of photos submitted to us. And there are times when you do need a very specific photo uh, like that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the reasons why they're hard to come by, certainly because as you say, uh, <laughs> not too many seaplanes fly in, in rough water. It's supposed to be fun and rough water isn't so fun. Second, um, so how is it going to be shot? Is it someone uh, on the shore taking a picture of a, a, a seaplane landing or taking off in rough water? Typically, that's the case. But, you know, you have to be there. Uh, is the airplane the too far away? Is the airplane right. too far away from the shoreline under those right. conditions? Right. So, it, it, you know, just the, uh, the logistics uh, for something like that can be very difficult. Same with say, a confined area takeoff and, and those sorts of things. Pretty difficult. Uh, so often I, I come upon those photos uh, almost, you know, just culling through ones we've received, ones I've taken in the past. I try to shoot, say, at AirVenture, uh, go after the seaplane base. I'll just shoot a lot of shots of everything with uh maybe no particular objective in mind because I know at some point I can go back through those photos and find a shot that will apply to a story we have mm -hmm. about a particular subject. So uh, it's, it's good uh, to shoot a lot of photos and just have them in the archives that you can go back to or we can go back to uh, to find something to illustrate a story. So uh, may not, you know, be the case where a member is going to be shooting hundreds of photos just to build up a library uh, that uh, that uh, he or she is going to send us. Uh, you know, that, that's typically not the case. We're, we're really talking about, um, you know, sending a photo in for, let's call it snaps on the back page of the magazine. Uh, your air, your seaplane, or a friend's, or whatever, uh, uh, something that uh, you submit for the annual calendar, maybe a nice shot that you'd like to see on the website, that kind of thing. That that's typically what we get. Uh, so, 
Let's it, let's just talk about. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to add. Uh, you know, there's also things when we talk about these different conditions. A lot of times, it may be a morning that's unflyable because of fog, and yet that can create some pretty spectacular opportunities for getting dew drops on an aircraft, uh, on the fabric or on the windshields. Uh, you know, those environmental conditions can really do something spectacular or even a fresh snowfall uh, where, again, it might not be flyable, but there might be a really interesting scene going on. So I would, you know, and really encourage people to think about the environmental conditions because while it may not be a good flying condition, uh, a thunderstorm or, you know, there's all kinds of different environmental aspects that could really produce some pretty amazing photos. So uh, think about uh, taking advantage of those mornings where you might not be able to fly or where the airplanes aren't in motion, but there might be little detail things going on with, again, the dew drops on it or some snow or, you know, other things that are going on, sunrise, sunset, things like that. Right those kinds of shots where it's something different and uh, maybe a reflective moment. Um, I, I do call those environmental shots where the airplane exists in, in a much larger environment and uh, uh, incorporating that uh, makes, can make for a very interesting photo. I, I especially like air to air photos where the airplane is, small and the the uh the world it's flying in its surroundings uh are prominent and so the airplane is uh, you know is, is pictured doing what it does flying across the country over lakes whatever uh as opposed to say a tight shot on the airplane itself that you might use to illustrate a story about a specific make and model seaplane, an environmental air-to-air would be taking in the larger environment. So it it puts it, it puts it uh, in its, you know, its uh, natural habitat, let's call it. In the grandeur of the, of, of the uh, surroundings, which uh, typically the places that we fly these airplanes, whether it's the Bahamas or, or Alaska or Canada, uh, Australia, as we see uh, with Dan, um, uh, Bolton, you know, there's, there's a lot of landscapes that we fly over just amazing, you know, uh, territory background, uh, photos, uh, to be taken in the, in the place that we fly seaplanes. Uh, so yeah, think about the grandeur of the, of the background that we fly in. Right. Right. And of course, it's one of the, the primary attractions of seaplane flying. It's where do you fly these things, uh, in beautiful country lakes, you know, surrounded by hills, maybe, uh, that sort of thing. So bring that into the picture. Uh, it works for the static shots as well, as you were saying, Steve. Uh, uh, let's see Let's see where it's living, what's going on around it. It can make for a beautiful photo. Yeah, absolutely. So don't lose those opportunities because I know even as, a, as someone who, you know, has been a professional photographer and we take photos for the magazine, all the time and, and for other consumption methods, uh, all too often I find myself not taking advantage of the moment. And, and in reflection, I just kill myself going, what are you doing? This is what you do. Why aren't you not shooting the moment? And it's because I'm 
typically make it too big of a production uh, to take the photos uh, with all the gear I carry and, and everything else. And, and there's so much to be said for not losing the magic of the moment because so often mm-hmm. that moment passes and, it, and it's gone very quickly. Right, right. Well, let's settings uh, on the water, an airplane in motion on the water. It can be done uh, from a dock, a beach, um, or uh, from a boat, uh, or uh, perhaps another seaplane. Uh-huh. Taking a photograph of a seaplane in motion on the water. And uh, so, you know, it can be idling, not a particularly exciting photo of a seaplane, you know, idle taxing. Um, the, some of the more interesting shots are, uh, say, that first rise of the nose, uh, second rise, getting up on the step. Those, yeah, we. Uh, that's always a really dynamic photo where you see the bottom of the floats with that pressure wave in front of the floats as it comes up, throwing water off the, the, the floats as it, you know, makes that transition. That's always a photo that I know you and I look for. Right. Right. If you're, if you're, if you're restricted to still photography, as we are in the magazine, then you need some energy in the photo. And that energy is, you know, the, as he says, the bow wave, the, uh, splashing water and, and so on. Uh, that creates energy in the photo and, and makes it an inter- interesting, uh, interesting photo. Um, and, you know, the angle, how you frame, frame it, uh, is important. Of course, lighting, uh, you want to avoid backlighting, uh, which puts the, you know, say the front of the nose of the airplane in, in, uh, shadow, uh, that's really not good. So, so, uh, try to have the lighting so that the, uh, the nose of the airplane that you're shooting, you want the airplane kind of coming towards you or see the front of the airplane as opposed to going away the rear, except in, you know, specific circumstances. If you're looking for something specific, um, have that lighting. And uh, they, the airplane uh, at a three-quarter angle, uh, so where you're shooting, let's say, the pilot side of the airplane and the nose, um, uh, front quartering view, I guess that would be, as opposed to, say, rear quartering, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what else on the, uh, on an on-the-water High or low shot also, uh, are you shooting from maybe a, an elevated dock uh, or getting that, uh, getting the camera, whether it's your iPhone or a camera, really down close to the water, looking up at the airplane, which makes it kind of more imposing and, and more dramatic in a lot of ways. So mm-hmm. you, get, you, you get more of the environment. I think one of the photos we just took uh, in uh, Lake Winnipesaukee, we were... Uh, up on the owner's house at the owner's house, looking down on the aircraft and across the lake in the mountains. So that was an example of an, an elevated shot working very well. But I know I spent a whole morning also crawling around at like at the deck of the float level, looking up at the airplanes as well at the shoreline with the airplanes in the foreground and the shoreline in the owner's house in the background, because that was so dramatic. So it, it works both ways. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, a shot high or low does uh, it's different, and uh, it does stand. They do stand out for sure. Good. Mm-hmm. I uh, usually when I'm taking photographs of people with their seaplanes, I always take what I call the hero shot, which is <laughs> I get down I, as low as I possibly can and shoot up. Uh, of course, with the arms crossed in the hero pose. Yeah, the so. hero pilot p- pose, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Joe pilot. <laughs> I, certainly, I've taken many, many of uh, photos like that of you, Steve. Right? <laughs> Only if my thumbs are up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, think you, I think you insist on it. <laughs> kind of the little trademark thing uh, that we try to at least get one photo with either myself or everyone in the photo with their thumbs up Uh, and again big smiles and emotion I think I think that goes you know that kind of plays into the the next part of the discussion which is capturing the emotion because you know seaplanes do uh, evoke a lot of emotion so whether it's someone flying a seaplane for the first time or you're just getting uh, you know, debarking a, a seaplane f- after an amazing flight through the, the wilderness or whatever the setting is, you know, generally people, uh, when they disembark, I mean, that's a, a great time to capture people shots with the seaplanes because there's generally emotion involved in it. Uh, and, and that emotion generally involves a big smile or, or kind of a look of wonderment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, you're right. There is a lot of emotion in seaplane flying, and uh, uh, people are, of course, uh, central. And uh, so it's great to, to get people in the photograph and uh, uh, showing some sort of emotion. Uh, usually it's joy, uh, something like that. Uh, yeah, those are great. Yeah, and let's not forget their pets uh, and animals in the photos, too, because a lot of times uh, a dog wandering out on a dock, uh, you know, makes a great photo. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't think we get enough of those, honestly. Right, right. right. Uh, Most Many, many people have pets, and uh, a lot of them like to ride in. Riding sure. seaplanes, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. you know, I think there's the whole aspect of birds and wildlife, because... What resonates with that, I guess, uh, probably more than it ever did for me before being in this position, is we need photos of wildlife and seaplanes interacting um, for our advocacy fights. And, you know, I, I know we've been to numerous fights where, you know, seaplanes are challenged because they're a threat to, to nesting bald eagles. And yet I, you know, have photos of of bald eagles eating fish on my airplane. And we just had a recent fight uh, in Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire. And one of the big things that was a pushback was our effect on loons and the perception that seaplanes were going to scare loons off of their nests. And yet, you know, I was able to produce a photo of a U.S. Fish and Wildlife airplane uh, a turbine beaver, not a quiet airplane, uh, and this was the the uh, TPE-powered uh, beaver, the one that hangs up at uh, Ted Stevens International now, and it is surrounded by loons in the photo. And, you know, we use that photo for the fight, you know, making the point that loons are not 
adverse to to being in proximity of seaplanes, and they don't necessarily disturb them because here is a seaplane surrounded by loons, um, which uh, and the and the loons were just very, you know, they weren't stressed, they weren't, uh, they were just swimming around the airplane, and so don't forget to take those compelling photos, whether it be a bear or. Uh, or any kind of wildlife, including birds, around the airplanes. Yeah, and that harkens back to the, the point about be be aware, be sensitive to uh, the scene. It may be different than you know what uh, you think you want to capture, but keep your eyes open and uh, uh, your imagination going and if you see as he says maybe birds around the airplane of course hopefully not while it's moving um <laughs> uh or under power uh take that photo see what you get it might be unusual and and uh worthy of publishing mm-hmm. so let's talk about some of the uh the aspects you know in social media, so many people are taking vertical photos. Uh, we do need vertical photos for the cover of the magazine. Um, but let's talk about uh, vertical versus landscape. As the editor of the magazine, uh, from my perspective, doing the other content we need, uh, what are we looking for and, and what are the considerations there? We use vertical on the cover, obviously. We do use them uh, inside as well, Um uh, not every, if you look through the magazine, not every photo is a uh, horizontal landscape in the magazine. Um, uh, for the cover specifically, you know, uh, uh, there's a dimension that's roughly 8 by 10, the uh, cover dimensions. And we have to uh, consider where the masthead is going, water flying where the blurbs are going on the cover and where the mailing label goes. So there's, there's a, a number of factors that go into deciding what photo to use and uh, how to use it. Uh, of course, it has to be, we'll, we'll talk about some of the technical issues here in a minute, but it has to be high enough resolution uh, for printing on the cover as well. Uh, but the orientation and a vertical shot uh, the framing needs to be uh, such that uh, we can, you know, we can incorporate all of the elements on the cover into the photo and still have uh, a high impact photo. A lot of that is made a whole lot easier if it's a very high resolution photo, say 25 megs or so, because then you can crop and uh, get exactly what you need. Yeah, and you can so, move around within the image. So we, we need this area at the top and bottom of the cover where we need to put print over. And so it needs kind of a consistent background uh, that allows us to put the print over the top of it, and yet you need this really compelling uh, photo in the center center of the photo. And mm-hmm. so if we have more meat to work with, if we have a larger image, we can kind of manipulate the image as far as moving around within the image and cropping it the way that might we might produce that. But again, looking at the uh, most recent issue, the Jan Feb 2023, 
You know, we have a beach image, two airplanes and two tents in the center of the photo, but yet there's a tree line and some dark water at both the bottom and the top of the image, which allowed us to put the text over for the masthead and, and for the, the copy that appears on, on the cover of the, the magazine. Mm-hmm. I would recommend that if somebody is shooting uh, something particular, uh, a specific scene or whatever, um, grab a couple of vertical shots after you take some uh, horizontal, some landscape shots. Just shoot a couple of verticals and, and include those in what you send us uh, because uh, we may want to use the vertical depending on where it's published and uh, so on and how. Yeah. And unlike social media, I would say that the majority of what we we use, consume, are landscape or horizontal shots, uh, but we still need those verticals. So I think social media mm-hmm. is more vertical-oriented. Um, we, we need more landscape, more horizontal shots than vertical, but we still do need some of those. So my recommendation would be don't shoot everything in vertical if you want to pass it on or you want to get it published uh, because when it comes for that double page spread or it comes for the average content within the magazine, I would say there's more horizontal or landscape shots than vertical as far as the, the bulk of the content. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we talk maybe about some technical issues, I, I just want to return briefly to the aesthetic. Um, and talk about some other settings. One would be from the cockpit. Yeah. Uh, I use photos on occasion that have been taken from inside the cabin of, uh, say, an approach to landing uh, on some, like a river. Those can be very interesting photos. Uh, Of course, we don't want anybody uh, uh, ignoring the uh, final approach to landing to take a photo. (laughs) So, Uh, Hopefully, you have a passenger who can uh, take the picture. And also, it's good if it's at all possible to get something in the photo that uh, makes it obvious it's a seaplane. And in most cases, that means a portion of the float. Mm -hmm. If it's possible to get that in, all the better. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we want people to know uh, we're all about seaplanes, so that's what we want to that's what we want to uh, have in our photographs. Yeah, a picture that comes to mind, uh, one of my favorite photos that you took of uh, in a, uh, in cockpit shot was you flying along the panhandle of Florida, low level over the beach, out of the Sea uh, Ray uh, that we operated for a couple of years. And, and it was just a beautiful image of the, the windshield and the cockpit. You could see the instruments and then the nose. And, of course, it was obviously a Sea Ray because there was no propeller in the front. And then you had the the you know the beach just going on uh, mm-hmm. in the in the background uh, in the shoreline and that photo. Uh, matter of fact, I, I when I recently did that flight coming back in the Super Cub, I, I you know was thinking of that photo, going, I've got to recreate that photo in the Super Cub. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a uh, that was along the uh, Emerald Beach, I think they call it, the Florida Panhandle. Beautiful beach, nice water. So, uh, again, uh, you look down and say, boy, that's pretty. Grab your camera. Take a picture. Yeah. See what you get. Yeah. And that one really sta- you know, stands out to me. Uh, so uh, um, we'll just put that in our list of favorites, at least from my side. No good. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, uh, all right. How about some technical concerns? Yeah. What are you looking for from an image size? Uh, is, and when we say size, we're talking about pixel count and uh, uh, you know the the size of the image itself. Right. Well, for print reproduction. Uh, so let's let's talk about computers. When you're looking at something electronically, that's at seventy two dots per inch or pixels per inch, DPI or PPI, 72. Print resolution is 300 dots per inch or pixels per inch, much higher resolution. If you if we printed it at 62 or 72, it would be very pixelated, obviously. So uh, we need high-resolution photos. And then you have the dimensions. So if you take, say, the cover, roughly 8 by 10, you'd need something with uh, uh, an image, electronic image, that is that dimension at 300 DPI or PPI. That's a pretty high-resolution photo. Mm-hmm. Uh, inside, uh, a, a spread is even bigger, a two-page spread. Uh, twice the size. For most of the other photos, like a four by six inch dimension would be fine at uh, 300. Again, that's ideal. Yeah. We do we do work with lower resolution, but, you know, uh, it's kind of you get what you pay for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, high, higher resolution, you're going to get much better uh, reproduction in print, better color, sharper, everything else. Yeah, so on your iPhone or on your camera, uh, generally there are settings of what size photos you would like to take. Always take uh, the highest resolution or the largest file size possible. Um, If you have the opportunity to shoot in RAW over JPEG, uh, that gives more latitude and color and light adjustment uh, Mm -hmm. to us. So uh, go in and uh, just as a a kind of a default, I would say – you, you're never going to go back and say, you know, I, I wish I would have had, if, if you don't have your phone or your camera set on the highest setting, you're going to find yourself taking photos that you didn't intend to take on low resolution, and then they're not going to be usable. So, you know, from my perspective as a photographer, I would say, you know, use that memory up in your phone, download them if you need to, or your camera, uh, just... Uh, I would keep the phone or the camera at the highest resolution possible. And uh, if you can shoot raw and even better shoot JPEG and raw, then, then do so because you're going to find that you're going to take photos at that lower resolution that you really wanted to share or that were really spectacular that you didn't expect to be spectacular and we won't be able to use them or they won't be able to be used for other purposes. So, uh, you know, I would just keep that setting as high as possible in your phone or, or camera. Yes. And it's different with different uh, mobile phones. It, it, we'll, we'll probably need to talk a little bit here about uh, initial cameras versus mobile phones, mobile phone cameras. Mm-hmm. Obviously, many, many people use mobile phones to take pictures because the cameras are so good these days. But it's different. Uh, even within the Apple uh, iPhones, uh, how to achieve the highest resolution. Mm-hmm. And like on mine, you have to go to settings, the camera, and uh, then there's 
Um, you're offered high efficiency and most compatible, which doesn't mean a whole lot uh, in terms of what does that mean in terms of the resolution. It turns out most compatible gives the highest resolution. But on a later iPhone, I don't have the latest. On the later one, uh, you can you can set it to whatever, whichever setting, but when you transmit it, it will be at high resolution. So I guess I would recommend that just uh, do a search on your particular phone model uh, uh, and how to achieve the highest resolution. Mm-hmm. And when you uh, go to take your photos that you think you might want to send to us, go for that high resolution setting. Yeah. So, so rather than go through, uh, you know, many different options for many different types of phones, it's best to just do a search and you can find it right away. Yeah. And um, I, and you know, it, it amazes me. I know Carter took some amazing nighttime photos at air venture on his phone. And as a traditional camera shooter, you know, I, I try to kind of avoid my phone and, I, I tell you what, I would struggle to get the photos that he got on his iPhone uh, in a camera because I would have had to do so much setting work uh, to capture the night shots that he captured on an iPhone. Just, I mean, they were just magic how good they were. Uh, and so look for those kind of uh, maybe nighttime shots, those starry night shots. These new mobile phones, uh have some incredible settings. There's some, I guess, some apps involved with them where you can do some amazing night stuff that quite honestly would be challenging for me as a professional photographer using a very expensive camera. Yeah. Yeah. Of course they're using them for making movies and everything <laughs> these days. So it's crazy. If you do use a, a, a conventional, uh, what we used to, well, um, that gives you a lot of flexibility in terms of your uh, shutter speed and aperture setting, uh, uh, zoom lenses, and uh, you know wide angle, so on. Um, and uh, there, you, you do have, I would say, more immediate control over uh, uh, how you're going to shoot the photo the elements, the technical elements that go into the photo without having to go back to settings and so on on your mobile phone. So what would we look for in terms of, you know, technical information? First of all, sharpness. Uh, although the seaplane the needs to be sharp in focus. Mm-hmm. If, the, if the engine or engines are running, the prop is turning. It's great to see a full prop disc. Mm-hmm. That, that uh, you know, that can be difficult because uh, even in the, at, at say a seventy sixty to seventy five percent power, you have to shoot at a relatively low shutter speed to get a prop disc. Mm-hmm. Say anywhere from sixty to two hundred, maybe might be a sweet spot. Uh, but getting getting a sharp in focus photo with you know the prop disc is, is a challenge. You you have to you have to take a lot of photos. 
and hope, uh, you know, a couple of them. What's going to come out. And that's one of the holy grails of, of aircraft photography, especially seaplane photography is if you get, when we say that full disc, when, when the blades are not stopped and you get a nice smooth swirl, uh, where you see the disc of the blade uh, not stopped. Uh, that's the one of the holy grails of, of aviation photography and seaplane photography is getting that nice swirl. And on the water, that can be difficult again because of power settings. At low power settings, you really have to sh- slow the shutter speed down uh, to an area that most people probably aren't capable of shooting. And so I would say, at, yeah, one twenty-fifth of a second, somewhere in there, you know, the slower you get, the the more photos you're probably going to have to take to get that really sharp, crisp photo of the uh, the airplane in focus. Uh, but uh, again, you're going to, uh, from my perspective, the higher uh, the the throttle setting on the aircraft, the faster the propeller is spinning, uh, the easier it's going to be to achieve that swirl. Um, when someone's coming into a dock and they're coming down to idle or they're shutting down or they're at a low power setting, um, it's going to be a lot more difficult. You're going to need a shutter speed down in the 60th of a second, which gets really dicey as far as getting the quality of the photo. So if you can, you know, if you're going to kind of prioritize, uh, prioritize when people are under power, I guess, on the water. Yeah. Right. And then there's the aperture, uh, how uh, how open the shutter is, uh, uh, that determines your depth of field. And, uh, you know, uh, the depth of field, you, you might, uh, depends really on what you're shooting, what you want to emphasize. Um, a very shallow depth of field means uh, something, you know, you're focusing on something specific and uh, the background is going to be more blurred. Uh, more depth of field, every more more in the picture is in focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it kind of depends on what you're looking for. Uh, shallow depth of field can be uh, those photos can be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a little more uh, challenging to achieve that. So um, the I think the 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 bottom line on uh, on this is. Uh, take more photos. It's, it's, it's the old uh, saying, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> yeah. And just take more photos, see what you get, and you'll refine your technical skills and your eye. Mm-hmm. What, it, what it is you're shooting, you'll become more discerning. Uh, your photography will improve, whether it's you're using a, a mobile phone or a camera. Mm-hmm. So just take those pictures. Yeah, uh, as often as you can. And, and again, I'm guilty of that. I mean, I, I sit here with, you know, most of this, this job ends up being in the office and uh, I don't shoot as much as I would like to. And I know when I was shooting uh, for hire, you know, I felt much more in the groove. It was much easier to walk onto a shoreline and get those photos or do that air to air shoot. And, and you were just in a groove and, um, yeah, shoot, shoot often and, and evaluate your photos and, and, you know, God bless Mary. She's out on our shoreline every morning taking sunrise and every evening taking sunset photos. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we, 
really encourage members to send us photos uh, to use on the back page of the magazine, Snaps. Um, we you know, will use photos uh, for stories, uh, feature stories, technique photos, and so on. We'll use them for a cover, if the light, as we did in the current issue, if it's really a, a, an outstanding photo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have got a call for members to submit photos for consideration uh, for our annual calendar, printed calendar. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, even if your photo isn't chosen, we have those photos. I get them, and I'll often use them for snaps or for stories. So, so importantly, keep those coming. We'll use them uh, on the website to illustrate a specific topic. Uh, lots of lots of uses for photos, and uh, we absolutely depend on members to provide those photos. We we just don't have the staff to send people to go out and take photos. So the question, what do you do with it? Are you have a photo you, or photos you think we're interested? What do you do? Send it, uh, email them to uh, uh, CSR at seaplanes.org. Uh, if it's something specifically for the magazine, you could also email them to me at editor at seaplanes.org. And, and that's uh, Charlie Sierra Romeo at seaplanes.org or editor at seaplanes.org. Correct. Correct. Okay, that's awesome. And we we need them for the website. I mean, we we spent the morning uh, going through our various websites, uh, looking at some things we want to change up, looking at some photos that needed to be updated and copy. Uh, you know, we were looking at a brochure earlier today that we were going to uh, have ready for Sun and Fun, and I was looking at the photos that Carter had uh, selected for him. And going, yeah, I wish we had a photo. Fo- you know, the sky's not quite blue there. The the background's a little bit gray. Um, so we need photos for everything. And it's a great, you know, most people get a, a great sense of uh, reward of just seeing their photos used uh, in, in a public way like that. So, uh, um, you know, we, we hope that you would enjoy just, uh, seeing your photos published in, in the way that we use them. And... Um, uh, we encourage you to do so. Right, right. So I guess, you know, uh, think about, uh, keep your eyes open, your imagination going on what would make an interesting photo. Be ready for that decisive moment, uh, capturing a seaplane just touching down on the water or just after lifting off with water streaming from the floats or the hull. Um if, if you happen to be shooting from, uh, you're in a seaplane or an airplane, looking down on a seaplane, taking off or landing, that long wake is uh, can be very interesting. That's where you'd want maybe a, a wide shot rather than tight on the seaplane. Uh, those environmental shots where it shows uh, it, its element. Um, static shots. Uh, interesting lighting, an interesting setting, something reflective that just captures the essence of uh, owning and flying a seaplane. Uh, just think about, you know, what 
what would make a, a, a very cool photograph to look at. Be, be ready. Uh, practice. Take the lots of photos so you can improve your skills and your eye and send them on. Yeah. And, and developing those skills is more important than the equipment, I can tell you. There's a lot of people, it's easy to buy expensive equipment. Uh, that doesn't make a good photographer. Uh, the, the skill and the practice um, and developing that eye for what works and doesn't and what's interesting and not, uh, that's the real talent. So, uh, you know, if you don't have professional cameras, if you don't, if you're not going out and buying big, you know, big money for this kind of stuff, then then don't let that hold you back because, Quite honestly, more of the art is in the individual uh, and and their eye taking the shot than it is in the equipment. Correct. Absolutely. So, uh, and, you know, I'd say uh, also don't forget to look for inspiration for people that are out there that are very prolific and doing beautiful work. Uh, you know, we've got a couple of very passionate members that are very, uh, have very large uh uh, social media presence with Dion Mitten and Dan Bolton uh, out of Australia. Uh, Dion's all over the place. I I don't want to say he's from South Africa or or Alaska because he's everywhere in between. Uh, but uh, look, uh, Dion Mitten and Dan Bolton up on social media, and uh, go through old issues of Waterflying Magazine to look for inspiration. Um, so you can kind of get an idea from what they're doing, and also from uh, images that we've published what makes a good photo and and what we're looking for if you're looking to get published in the magazine and uh, i'd like to thank both dion and dan for uh uh being such a a valuable part uh to the quality of the magazine as well with the photos that they submit on a regular basis right also read aopa pilot and uh, eaa sport aviation with uh with the photography in mind Take a close look at their photos. They they have professional photographers on staff. They know what they're doing. That's all they do. And uh, so they certainly have the technical skills down and, uh, and the aesthetics. So see what they're doing, how they do it. You can learn from that. Yeah, I know uh, Sport Pilot has a J3 on Amphib floats on this month's issue. So uh, uh, point made. <laughs> right. Right. So, hey, I, I, I tell you what, I think I hope this has been helpful to the listeners uh, that might be looking to up their game on taking uh, seaplane photos or maybe uh, haven't thought about it and uh, preserving these moments. Because those of us that are passionate about seaplanes and get the opportunity to fly them, uh, you know, it's important that we document it and share this because, again, uh, People love seeing seaplanes in photos, and the more photos that we can put out there and the more of a collective that we can get of people sending us photos for us to put out there, uh, the better it serves the community. So uh, I'd like to encourage everyone to uh, take the opportunity. Mark, do you have anything before we sign off? Uh, No. Uh, I just uh, uh, emphasize what you said, uh, that uh, we depend on those member photos. Uh, we have lots of uses for them. Uh, they'll help us out. I think uh, you'll have fun uh, getting something published or uh, appearing on the website. Uh, we're proud of what we produce in the way of our printed and electronic uh, material. And 
So I think you can be proud also when you do get something published. Absolutely. Well, Mark Twombly, uh, it is always uh, a fascinating discussion when you get the two of us together. I hope that the listeners have enjoyed us talking a little bit about what uh, we're looking for uh, for consumption when it comes to seaplane photos, but also how they may be able to uh, uh, enjoy uh, taking photos of seaplanes and sharing them and uh, get better, uh, getting better photos themselves. Um, so we hope you've enjoyed this. Please uh, send your comments to CSR at seaplanes.org. If you have comments regarding the content or any suggestions, uh, I'm going to offer, I may have to write an article on seaplane photography for the magazine, which I do with a little bit of hesitation. <laughs> knowing. That was a promise. I heard that. Uh, yeah, I might have to uh, knock out a story for the magazine. I already owe you one for the, the trip around the country. Uh, right. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I th- I've enjoyed this conversation enough. It's really kind of inspired me to to kind of go into this in a little bit more in depth. We hope you, the listeners, have enjoyed. Please share it with your friends. Uh, we thank you to the 60,000-plus listens that we've enjoyed so far on Waterflying. Uh, it's a blast doing. And uh, until next time, please go out there and take some seaplane photos. Please share them with us. And uh, let us know what you learned uh, from the conversation or show, show us uh, how the conversation might have inspired uh, a, a good photo that you take. And until next time, fly safe, fly often, go out there and take those seaplane photos, and we'll see you guys in a week. We are so glad you joined us today. If you like today's show, I highly encourage you to join the Seaplane Pilots Association and become a member of the largest seaplane community in the world. Members receive Water Flying, the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community. And it's available in both printed and digital form. Your membership also includes access to the Water Landing Directory app, which has the Seaplane Flight School directory and a calendar of seaplane events not only here in the United States, but around the world. The association hosts regular educational workshops, safety seminars, and gatherings for seaplane pilots and anyone with a passion for seaplanes. So look us up online at seaplanes.org, join our community, and support our mission of protecting and promoting water flying.